What up, y'all? Welcome to Queer Walk, the podcast. This is Money, uh, your exhausted grocery store shopper, because that's what I did with my morning. And I'm joined today by two incredible folks. So would y'all like to introduce yourselves? Yeah. Okay. Go ahead, Nikita. So I guess is this where I introduce myself officially as a co-host? Yes, bitch! <laughs> uh, Queer Walk. <laughs> And so, I guess today I am your friendly neighborhood curmudgeon. That, you can't be a friendly you curmudgeon. Can. That's you can. A, okay. I'm not, I'm not going to steal your intro. Go <laughs> wow. Way to take my joy. Okay. <laughs> Tori, you want to introduce yourself? Yeah. Hi. I'm Tori. I am, uh, I guess, your friendly neighborhood uh, activist slash educator slash uh, magical black girl. Now you gotta have a good slash. So queer walk queer woc dot com. What is it? PayPal dot me slash queer woc. Uh, same thing on Instagram. And if you want to listen to us, you can find us on SoundCloud and on Apple iTunes and Google Play. And Google Play. I didn't mean yes. to shade the. <laughs> you did the <laughs> non-Apple users. Your special. <laughs> you did. It's like I mean, everyone's appreciated and welcome. <laughs> Whatever. Where else can they find us? Um, I mean, of course, we're on Tumblr. But I, if you use the hashtag uh, #QueerWOC, it'll pull us up on pretty much every social media platform. So all the things at this all, on all the things. All the things. Queer Walk. Yes. Did you say Twitter? I can't remember if you no, said Twitter. No, I didn't Twitter. say Twitter. So the Twitter is Queer Walk Pod, and that's P O D. But if you use the hashtag, you'll find us there too. So. Hashtag. Okay. Do we want to go into the Queer Walk of the Week? Yes. So, what is Queer Walk of the Week? So, Queer Walk of the Week is where we highlight and celebrate an amazing queer woman of the week. Yes. So, Queer Walk of the Week this week, um, after much debate, <laughs> <laughs> is Lena Waithe again. Yay! <laughs> so, I should have went back and saw what episode I made her um, Queer Walk of the Week on before. Um, because she's, I think she's the first person who has been Queer Walk of the Week twice, so that's a big deal. She deserves it. It's fine. 
Okay, Tori, so do you want to tell us why Lena Waithe is Queer Walk of the Week this week? Yes, so uh, Lena recently won at the last Emmys, which I believe was Sunday. That sounds right. Um, she is the first woman ever, well, the first black woman ever to win um, a writing award, like a writing Emmys. Um, and so she's amazing. And in her speech, she talks about um, her queer fam. And she was just like, uh, what makes us different are our superpowers. I cried during the entire thing. It was great. Um, but she really just is so representative of queer people who don't, queer women who don't get to be highlighted uh, because she is black and because she does not fit into this like, model of what we think of when we think of like your leading lady if you will i hate the term lady Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. she's amazing and it was wonderful yeah and so the reason why we had like this debate as to whether or not she should be queer walk of the week is because a lot of other podcasts have already talked about lena this week like so like all the casts like everyone i've listened to has talked about it. But then in um in us kinda like having that debate, I realized that she it's it's been talked about from like a black exceptionality mm. perspective. Like this black woman has finally broken the the black glass ceiling and done this thing that no black woman has done before. Um and so so me and Tori were kinda like, yeah, but like I guess because no other black queer women have been having these conversations, right? So so no one else has been like, oh, but also it is significant because like our identities are political mm-hmm. and she like she not only won the what was it, like the comedy writing? Yeah, series? outstanding writing for a comedy series. Okay. But it was for like a queer black woman's coming out story. Right. Like that's the that's the meat of that episode, right? Yeah. Um and so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just think, like, a lot of times, like, black excellence gets equated to breaking into white spaces, like, mm-hmm. being the first, being the only. Um, and so I definitely wanted to talk about her as Queer Walk of the Week and join her. So I made a list, because I know I be taking notes. Uh, so I wanted, I want. so she's, like, sort of the representative of this, like, bad bitch, baddie brigade of (laughs) queer black women who are doing this Mm -hmm. and and who haven't broken that uh like white wall right Right, so um new york girls tv uh amira shawnee's rights probably edits directs lights all (laughs) you know she probably doing everything (laughs) 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 but she is she it's incredible writing uh it's a web series you can check it out on youtube for free new york girls tv uh, I know they have been doing um, a movie tour because uh, the New York Girls movie came out. It's incredible. Look her up. Black queer woman doing this shit. Stubville TV, also hilarious. Um, I don't know who writes it, but I mean, we're talking about queer women, comedy writers. Lena Waithe isn't the only one. Check out. Um, Brown Girls, the web is oh, it a yeah. web series? Yeah, it's a web series. That was good. I watched yeah. it. Yeah, good as fuck. Um, entangled with you. One of the lead characters is a black I bisexual that. woman. Yeah. yeah, that was super cute. Yeah, it was cute. Red is a new uh, lesbian web series out of Brazil, and Ooh. yes, oh, it's so nasty. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but real, you know, we have we have life experiences. Um, between women, um, which I had to look it up because between women was my 
Shit. We used to watch that. Either. We used to watch it together. <laughs> <laughs> and it's Atlanta-based, so you know it's, like, hella black. Um, but Michelle Daniel is the creative brilliance behind Between mm-hmm. Women. Uh, I think you pay $7 and you get, like, all five seasons. I would encourage you to do that. Just all you have to do is Google Between Women TV and it'll pull it up. You can go get the subscription. Give her your $7 so we can get another season. Um, Girls Just Don't Do That, which is a new one for Mm -hmm. me. Yes. Um, And it it has a lot of different... uh, How do I say this? I don't know. I don't know how to say it in like the... You know, the way that shots won't be fired at me. So whatever. But... Um, typically when you get lesbian web series, you get like these caricatures. So you have like yeah, the masculine totally, one. Totally, yeah. yeah. Like the masculine one who's smashing all the yeah. films. And, but, uh, girls just don't do that. Like really breaks Ooh. that. Yeah. So it I like fucks with the grades. the girls ain't doing. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's not, so a lot of times it'll be like, oh, this diverse web series. And then it's a, a cast of all black women. Mm-hmm. Um, girls just don't do that. Has a lot of different types of women of color, which I appreciate. Dyke Central, another one that has a lot that. of yeah, yeah. yeah. That's good. Um, you would, of course, you watch Dyke Central. What are you getting at? Nothing. Moving just that, just that you go up for masculine presenting women. Uh. Wow. <laughs> you try to. You're not going to be out here besmirching me in these interweb streets. Come on, besmirch. Yeah. Okay, vocab out here. Come on, besmirch. Shut up. Come on, <laughs> Um, lipstick, the series, uh, which is cute. I mean, I think it's real. It's real lipstick, you know, like okay. skinny girls, right, right, right. California, um, lovers in all caps, because if you don't put it in all caps, something else comes up that you don't want to see. Mm. And the peculiar kind, which yeah. is different. You like the peculiar kind? I've seen it. Yeah. 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 I like that one because it's, it's different. It's, well, it is a, a web series, mm-hmm. but Basically, a whole bunch of queer women sit around and answer a question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not yeah. like a like a show. It's like yeah, not it, well, not like a a produced like mm-hmm, scripted mm-hmm. thing. To me, it's like a a visual podcast. That sounds right. That's a very apt way to describe it. Yeah, and so definitely check all of those out. So I so in in making Lena Waithe Queer Walk of the Week, I really wanted to basically highlight other queer women of color who are also doing like similar things. And Tori, I know me and you were talking about before uh, that this is big for us. Because, yes. For um, me, I felt like other podcasts, other black folk who were talking about it were just like, this is a black woman who did this. And right. wow, which is great. And like, she is a black woman. But like, for a queer black woman to do this, yeah. to be the first, like, that's so amazing. And like, kind of like what you said, like, usually it's like... um being awarded for breaking into whiteness but that's not even what the story was about like the thanksgiving episode of master of none literally was about her story as a young queer black girl trying to like navigate that and like coming out to family members and all that and i just really like identified with that and like i cried a bunch it was great but like not only was the work recognized but like her work was recognized and like when do we see that happen you know Mm -hmm. because i like and thinking about like the black queer identity in and of itself like okay so moonlight and lena's episode that's like that's Mm -hmm. that is the only time that i feel like 
we were celebrating ourselves, but also other people were cele- were like celebrating with us. Mm-hmm. And for her to get an award yeah. for that, mm-hmm. wow, amazing, iconic. Well, I guess thinking about um, centering her in Queer Walk of the Week, um, we so be- I guess before we started recording, we talked about how we didn't have to leave out or compromise like parts of who we were in watching that story play right. out and in watching her win. So, I love Insecure, not trying to throw right. Insecure under the bus at all, but that's a perfect example of something that... It's a, it's a show for a particular kind of right. straight black woman. Like, we, we go up for it because queer, queer folks, no matter, like, if you're a queer folk of color, you're going to be in the of color spaces, right. not necessarily the queer spaces, so there's going to be a lot of times where you're just not the target audience right. because of heterosexual. Yeah, for sure. Whatever. The straights be straightened. Yeah. So. Like for me, I, mean, um, whole, I think about season. like. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I was just going to say what we was talking about before. Like this whole season of Insecure, we just been like, I guess we too gay to get that. <laughs> oh, like around the, what was it? I don't even remember. Oh, like that whole dick second conversation. Yeah. Look. Mm. I feel like if, if if even the queers are like bitch, people still people second dick in two thousand seventeen. I mean, what do we we should be called um the the alt les if okay. the if the alt lesbians are not the alt lesbians queer women of women of color and insecure a partner need to come on out a partner we know okay no yes I feel you I feel like I'm getting vibes I feel it I feel it okay I don't know um. No, but, like, for me, like, watching, like, Issa's uh, YouTube series, Misadventures of an Awkward Black Girl, I was living, getting my whole life because I was just like, wow, here's this awkward black woman who speaks the way I do, who, like, listens to music the way that I listen to it, and just has all these just, like, uncomfortable-ass situations, and I love it, and I'm here for it, but then I'm watching Insecure, and I'm not getting, like my whole life because mm-hmm. yes as a bisexual woman like there's a the, uh, there are definitely situations that are going to be similar to like my dating life and just like my life in general but like for there not to be like any kind of queer representation in that yeah. I'm just like oh okay I mean in black LA. girl magic yay but at the same time I'm just like the cishets will do what the cishets will do they will yeah <laughs> Because I just, I mean, I think there were windows where the stuff could have been explored that it wasn't, you know? Um, I Even there was a, there was a joke when she was sitting in the, um, the car shop getting oh. the quote and she was like. Yes, Molly, that made me so uncomfortable. Yes, and she was like, we could fuck if you want to, <laughs> you know, like, I'm your friend too, girl. Right. We could fuck if you want to. Like those little, those little ends that yeah. could that could add another layer because, I mean, you want to have a whole, really, like, eight episodes about the politics around wholeness, but you don't... And then, like, you're... To not exactly. Yeah. But isn't her brother queer on the show? Her... The only like men. Only That has not been... Oh, but, like, has that even been, like, like, spoken into existence? Or are we just, like, picking up, like signs right. you know because right. like for me like think about the dude that uh molly was dating uh the lights they all yeah, light skin yeah. what am i saying right. 
that's a whole other conversation about how they're all light skin anyways um no but the the one that didn't go to college him when he was just like yeah i you messed around with a friend and they were just like look sis okay um and he was just like yeah i messed around with a friend or whatever and um then her and Tiffany and Kelly and Issa had that conversation. No, he's gay. And it was just like, you are erasing, like, the experience that folks get to have when they are experimenting and finding themselves and navigating their sexuality. So because he had sex with a dude, he's gay now. Like, not even like, oh, yeah, he's bi, which, again, an assumption. Right. But, like, that was by erasure then that was completely just saying like oh well you did this so then that means that's what your whole identity is which is irritating but that couldn't even like segue into like what queerness could have been for women and like for me i felt like that would have been so easy to just like it could have but no yeah um because Okay, so we're going to get there later because of um, <laughs> the other bullet points we have. So I feel like we should do the community contributors and come back to this conversation. Okay. <laughs> so we are going to move on to the community contributors segment. And community contributors are folks who have been uh, supporting and just giving us all the support that we need to keep on going to do queer work. You see how I keep mm-hmm. saying we... Me, I'm like insert myself. I see. Into here. I like see. I've been up in here. You committed now. Oh, committed. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm totally not 100%. monogamous. Committed. There's a difference. So, who are the community <laughs> contributors for the week? Uh, so, community contributors for the week. Uh, so, I just want to shout out and pour libations for because you know they be pouring libations. They had you down hard this week. I know. Go ahead. Um, Queen and Jay of Tea with Queen and Jay. Uh, I cannot like stress or emphasize enough how much I love them. Um, I I stand for their podcast first of all. Like I am the president of the Tea Hive. You have to go through me to join the Tea Hive. <laughs> <laughs> people send in applications. Send, send to, applications. To the yes, to Queer Walk Pie um, because <laughs> I love them, uh, and they just consistently like encourage me. Show me a lot of love. Shout me out on their podcast, which continues to blow my mind. Every time I hear yeah. my name mentioned on Team with Queen and Jay, I'm just like, oh, my God. Like, I have really built a network of dope-ass black femmes and women through podcasting. When I listened to the last episode, I was in my car and I was dying laughing because they were like, money sells shea butter, money does therapy, money has a... I was like, I, I be forgetting that Montanique be out here hustling. I do. I braid hair all Braid hair? I, that's what I was... I was like, this bitch really be working. But I mean, when when they started listening to that, I was like, damn, but really, what black women don't... Like, I feel like every black woman I know that that is... Um, like, comf- well, shit. Sometimes I'm, not, I don't even comfortable. I'm not even comfortably able to pay rent. Right. But those of us who are have so many things going. You know, even them, they're yeah. like, oh, my day job is right, this, right, that right. I complete that has completely nothing to do with T with Queen and J. But we both show up here and do this. You know, so thank y'all so much. I love you, Queen. I love you, Jay. Um, and the second community contributor, Bag Ladies. Lena and Stephanie, similarly, I, I feel like y'all are also a part of the community that I have contri- that I have built through podcasting. Um, and I want to thank y'all for analyzing my dream because it really creeped me out. 
it was like, so you know that random date that I had with the the girl that I wasn't yeah. supposed to be on a date with? I had dreamed about this this card that she had tattooed on her arm. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it completely freaked me out. And they do dream interpretation. So I was like, Lena, Stephanie, I need, <laughs> I need help. I need I to send them my dream. You should. <laughs> that was wild. They'll, they'll, right. they'll analyze it on the podcast. Mm-mm. Okay, and then, you know, I asked y'all to give me, for my birthday, um, iTunes reviews, and, and so some folks did that, and so I just want to thank y'all for giving me those birthday presents. Um, so the first one is from Lovely Me, and Lovely Me writes, hilarious and insightful. The conversations here are not only informative and give insight into some issues that queer women of color face, but they're also funny and incredibly engaging. Subscribe already, you won't regret, regret it. Thank you so much. Isn't that That's so amazing? So sweet. Okay. And the second one that I'm going to read is from Aria Noir. And the, what do you call it? The subject line of the review is giving me life. Five star. Five star review. <laughs> amazing podcast and a savior for queer women of color. Wow. All the advice on mental health is really a godsend for me and gives me so much insight on how to begin to navigate my own issues in a better way. Keep going. I'm here for it. This is great. Thank you so much, y'all. Five star chip. I know two more five star reviews. I don't. I just don't know how to um, act now. Damn, you gonna have to <laughs> put some respect on my name. I got uh, five star reviews on iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you out here? <laughs> Fuck you. You own okay, it. Okay, just shitting on my dream. <laughs> this is how you do me constantly. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay. So those are the community contributors. Thank y'all so much for continuing to support Queer Walk. And so that last that last review is a good segue into the next segment, which is the mental moment with money. And this is where money gives uh, what I would say top notch, amazing advice from a queer color of queer of color therapist yes so um so yeah so a lot of times so the reason why i started this uh segment is because at first i thought with the podcast and my day job which is therapy i'm a uh, marriage and family therapist couple relational therapist you whatever they call you got a new job uh no oh sorry oh <laughs> <laughs> that cat's out of the bag <laughs> <laughs> they like this bitch employed <laughs> So now I work at a, a local agency. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. You being real coquettish. I, Nikita, it's a podcast that's broadcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. Google Play was last. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> you. Um, no, no, no. But so I started doing this segment so that I could blend it because uh, it doesn't make sense, right? Um, like who I am informs my work right. as a therapist and my work as a therapist informs the podcast, so I can't separate them. What I wanted to talk about today. Oh, how to, how to set boundaries. Um, so, I guess I'll back up a little bit. So, I did a workshop on Friday at the LGBT mm-hmm. Resource Center here in Syracuse on healthy relationships. Um, and prior to that, like, getting ready for the workshop, I was like, what am I going to talk about? Because this is such a broad topic, like, how to have a healthy relationship. But then I had these instances where uh, women who I don't women who date men were telling me about really toxic things that men were doing 
And they were like, oh, but he's a nice guy. Oh my God. So I'm going to keep seeing him. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, girl, no. Um, but I I guess this is my um, like therapeutic perspective and, and lived experience. Right. It's like telling someone to leave a bad relationship nine times out of ten doesn't doesn't cause them to leave the relationship and so what i've learned to do is like take a backdoor approach to that by talking to people about what they want out of relationships Mm -hmm. and boundary making so boundary set so if this person is continuing to violate your boundaries that sends up red flags for people more than girl you need to leave he ain't shit you know what i mean right 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 um, and so also talking about this segment, uh, a lot of times we have to remix or completely create new ways to do things as queer women of color yeah. because the literature is written for white, heterosexual, mm-hmm. um, cisgender couples. Mm-hmm. Right? So if we ain't doing that, we have to come up with something else. So I Look. came up with um, like four steps to set boundaries for yourself because I noticed that people always talk about their boundaries, but then when I ask them about them, they can't name them. Mm. So, so these are money's four steps to setting boundaries in intimate relationships. So, and it's, it's a writing exercise because I love writing as a grounding technique. It brings you to the moment and it forces you to think that things are real because it's on a piece of paper. Uh, so the first step is to recognize your own feelings. So um, a lot of times we skip this step. Like we know something is happening, but we don't take time to name it. Um, and so the first step being actually doing that, like take the time to, to name that feeling. What are you experiencing? The second step, step two in uh, setting boundaries is convert that feeling into a boundary. So you've already written down, maybe you wrote down, I feel hurt. Um, and so then convert, converting that into a boundary would be, I feel hurt when I'm talking to you. And you answer the phone when oh, your okay. friend calls. Okay. Right? So a, ba- a boundary for me, so then I guess a boundary statement. A boundary for me is um, not answering phone calls when we're having an intimate conversation. Or not answering phone calls when we're laying in the bed together. Mm-hmm. And that's just a real simple example. Mm-hmm. Of course, boundaries can be much bigger. Right. Step three is recognizing when that boundary has been crossed and naming that. So there's no point in taking the time to recognize and list your boundaries if you're just going to let folks continue to like run through them all the right. time. Uh, and so I, I guess this is an exercise in, um, what is it called, being assertive? Mm-hmm. Because I'm not telling you that you have to punish people for b- breaking your boundaries. That's not what I'm saying. What you need to do is name that it was broken. So, Nikita, I loaned you $25 and you never returned it. I just need to name that. For the record, <laughs> For, let the record show. An right. Um, and, and so then this, this um, includes communication too because somebody needs to know that that's a boundary for you mm-hmm. in order for you to then come back and be like, you broke that boundary. Right. right. So I can't say, oh, you borrowed $25 from me and that's like, that was violation of a boundary when you didn't give it back. If I never told you that not returning okay. money to me is a problem. Right. Um, And so then the fourth step in setting boundaries is grounding yourself. And so what I mean by that is maybe steps one through three were triggering for you. And I talked about triggering before. This means that you have experienced some trauma around something in your past that came up for you again in recognizing your feelings and naming that your uh, boundary was crossed with somebody that in some way that reminded you of a past trauma. 
So maybe you're flooded in this moment and you can't take nothing else in now that this person has broken your boundary. Take a moment to take a breath. Do some breathing exercises. Um, smell some oils. That's that's also one of my favorites. You know, I'll be whipping that shea butter. <laughs> that's also one of my favorites. They're really good ways to bring you back to the moment. Um, focus on colors that you see in front of you. Uh, focus on textures that you can reach out and feel. Eat something really loud and crunchy and focus on that sound and the, um, the sensation in your mouth. Like all of these things are called grounding activities and they bring you out of that triggered mm. space so that you can actually be back to a place where you can take a breath and be like, all right, bitch, I'm here. Um, so those are my four steps for um, creating boundaries in intimate relationships. And let me know how you feel about those steps because, like I said, I completely created these uh, and remixed them from boundary work uh, literature in mental health. This so is really helpful. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, thank you. I like that, like, you prompt us to, like, write down our boundaries. Because for me, like, I think writing down always makes something more real. And then also, I think it's, like, an accountability thing where I see that it's written. I have to read it back to myself. And then, like, if I walk away for a second or, like, I don't know, like, I come back to it, I see that I've written it. And I'm like, okay, what are you doing? Like, get back on track. What are, What's going on? Right. Yeah, so like two months down the line, you can't be like, I never said that that right. was a bad. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's not cool. It wasn't cool then, and it's not, not cool, cool now. now. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So thank y'all. And if y'all got any feedback for that, of course, you can use the hashtag QueerWalk, or you can hit me up on any of those platforms we talked about. Want to move? Oh. We about to move into a new segment. Ow, ow, ow. <laughs> All right. So this segment is called, this week's episode is brought to you by blank. And so the blank is going to be a term um, of the week. We know uh, for a lot of us who do uh, movement work, who are organizers, and just anybody who cares about justice, there's a lot of jargon, um, I mm-hmm. think, that we use and we don't really explain it. So this is a segment where we are going to make an attempt to actually break down what these terms uh, mean. So this week's episode is brought to you by heteronormativity. (laughs) So what is heteronormativity? Who wants to start? Because I see Tori rolling her eyes. So to me, heteronormativity is really like it is setting heterosexuality as the standard, as the normal, um, and anything that deviates from that as some sort of uh, other, uh, as something that is strange, as something that is weird, unnatural, so on and so forth, all those synonyms. Um, But it also is something that sets up this really um, toxic and unhealthy... um, narrative that I think gets subscribed to a lot of queer relationships as well uh, because there are certain roles to be filled by certain people and heteronormativity is just saying like this is how it is um, and if you deviate from this then you're wrong basically yeah so yeah when I think heteronormativity to me is just like that heterosexuality is almost like the compulsive default for everyone. Yeah. Like, everybody is hetero. Um, and 
and a lot of times I think about cis cisgenderness in here too, even though that's a separate um that's a separate like what do you call it construct or uh-huh. whatever. Yeah, it's like the it's more it's more about um so when you think heteronormativity, it's like that there's this masculine slash male person or this feminine slash uh, female person that and that role specific roles are attached to that when they relate to one another. Um, and so I think that plays out in like queer relationships too, with uh, like stigma being attached to stud on stud relationships and all those things that they're supposed to be a traditionally masculine person and a traditionally feminine person. Um, I guess the only thing that I would add, and I think that both of y'all are getting at it, I think that heteronormativity is also is it's also a system of control, um, yeah. and I think it's it's meant to regulate. I mean, I think that's what, what mm-hmm. you're getting at. It's meant to uh, regulate what the bounds of um, gender and sexuality um, are. And I think that the important part about heteronormativity is that, um, so I think that you were getting at it, um, Money, when you were saying it's it's about a particular kind of uh, masculine presenting person, particular with a particular kind of like feminine person. And I think it's important to say that it, it's all about monogamy. And yes. so when we think yeah. about, so, and I think it's important to expand, um, like, what we're talking about with heteronormativity, because, like, there's arguments that people have made that, like, black people, even, like, straight black people have fallen out, historically have fallen outside of the bounds of heteronormativity, because we don't, even, like, straight black people don't do uh, traditional kinds of uh, relationships, so... So you think about, you know, community of the mothering or even like these tropes that exist about uh, black women who have a whole bunch of like kids. And so it's like it's a, it's a mm-hmm. system meant to regulate people's sexual behaviors out, broadly outside of the bounds of normativity, normativity. And it's a system meant to regulate people's mm-hmm. gender. I feel like that the point about social control. Is really important. It puts like relationships on a hierarchy with hetero. Oh, for sure. Yeah, with like hetero relationships being the pinnacle of right. um, relationship formation, and then all others basically having to like fit and conform and ascribe to that in some way. Uh, and then, okay, so then my question is, which is this is not my question, but the reason why we picked heteronormativity as the first uh, term in this segment. So I'm going to do this in a voice and I don't mean to be, yes, I do. I mean to be with all disrespect as Jay-Z would say. <laughs> Look, that is my new favorite saying. With okay. I can't wait to like go off on someone and just be like, with all disrespect. <laughs> I can't wait. I'm so excited. Cause y'all straights be wilding. Um, so I'm heterosexual <laughs> and listening to your podcast makes me feel oppressed because I'm heteronormative and I'm not going to stop being heteronormative just because you don't like heteronormativity. So heterosexuality and, and being heterosexual is different than heteronormativity. So I'm not out here trying to turn all of y'all problematic ass heterosexual women queer. That, that is, stay in your camp. We don't want you. You can stay over there. Um, what heteronormativity talks about is these um, like attitudes that turn into practices, that turn into policies, that that op- that oppress and marginalize uh, and devalue queer relationships because they're not heterosexual relationships. So you being heterosexual is just another variation of sexuality 
it's not in itself heteronormative unless you start holding these um, ideas about like your relationship is the default um, type of relationship and then going out here and measuring everybody else on this straight stick. Does that sound how y'all feel? I mean, something that I think is, I think about this a lot. And this is going to sound a little uh, wild, but I feel like the religious right or like people who are like really conservative, I think that they have a valid fear in the sense where they say once once queerness becomes um, like widely accepted, then it changes the idea. Like then then, then they're, they're always afraid that it's just going to turn everybody gay. <laughs> but I actually think that it's a I think that it's a legitimate um, concern. And I think that the point that and I think that what this person that left that comment is getting at. So when you talk about a compulsory, compulsory like heterosexuality, I think that people, I think a lot of times people are, um, this might sound controversial, are straight because those are the bounds of what we've been told is like the normal right. sexuality. Right, because that's what you can be. So I think that mm-hmm. I think that as we broaden our our ideas about like what's um, like what's normal or what's within the possible range of sexuality and in terms of like gender, I think it actually does open people's mm-hmm. eyes up to like what's possible. And like I know that I don't I'm not trying to conflate gender and sexuality, but I think that this is why it was so sharp when Laverne Cox like it was a few years back when she called herself a possibility model. Yeah. Because that's yeah. exactly what she yeah. was doing. She mm-hmm. was saying like there's also there's other ways to be. Trans is a real thing yeah. to be. And I think that it's those kinds of things that open people's ideas up to about again what is possible right. in terms of gender and sexuality. And I think that that's what that person's knee jerk reaction is because it's like if, if if actually this there's a system in place that says that this is the norm, then I have to think about all of my desires. I have to think mm-hmm. about why I am the way that I am. Mm-hmm. And sometimes Mm-hmm. It's difficult because people don't actually people actually are really confronting those questions, and so I think that 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 is the thing that's probably animating that uh, basic bullshit ass question. Yes, like okay. Yes, <laughs> just yes. Yeah, I don't even think we have the language to start even talking about how um, like diverse and and fluid our desires are. I, th- I think in a future generation there's going to be sexualities and genders that we don't even know like the name of. No, that's just it. Like, I, when, we give I th- a, uh, when we give birth to that new society, it's, it's going to be mm-hmm. things that are totally outside of our wildest imagination. I feel so nasty. I can't wait for the new sexualities. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> nasty. <laughs> 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 I was thinking, you know, a wise philosopher... Um, by the name of Sway Lee uh, once <laughs> in Ray Shrivered. <laughs> um, what's your type? I like what I like. And that's going to be... I'm dying! <laughs> <laughs> no? Just waiting for that day. So. so the next segment is... This is a throwback. So for those of you who haven't listened to Queer Walk for a while, um, the like, which used to be the like and reblog section, Tori is like, hey... <laughs> we can't hear your smile oh y'all okay so i'm like a very like i i have a very like um expressive face and body language and all that so i'm like smiling and dancing over here it's fine <laughs> uh, no i'm just super excited but go ahead money go ahead go ahead yeah so the like segment oh you want to describe what the like no, you've already stolen my thunder Continue. oh so the like is basically the yes section it's just where we talk about this this shit that makes us happy and brings us like queer women of color joy so 
Yeah, I describe it as like when someone says or does something or I see something and I'm sitting in front of a table and I just start smacking my hand on it because I'm just like, yes, okay, yes. <laughs> so, Like, okay, bitch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so the like uh, segment this week is by awareness week, of course. Ow, ow. Okay, so can we talk about how um, Nikita's uh, fighting ass was on... <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, you just blowing my whole shit up. <laughs> just blowing my whole shit up right now. This so, you so know, disrespectful. So, Friday, September 22nd was Bisexuality uh, Visibility Day. Yes. And Nikita took this opportunity <laughs> to be like, I'm just looking for the bisexual honey dip. <laughs> Wow, you just okay. <laughs> because I check my notifications and I'm like, why is Nikita getting new followers? <laughs> I just, Not that you don't deserve I new followers. I was just sliding through trying to support all of the bisexual You were fighting in my I was showing post. unwavering solidarity and support. I'm just out here trying to be an ally. Aligning your ass with them drones. Oh, well, that's... <laughs> anyway. It's... It, it, I am not shaming Thotten in the comment section of a post. but Unless it's Nikita, which is your running mantra. <laughs> um, Yeah, so my like for the week is that it was by Visibility Day on Friday, but also that it was by Awareness Week all of last week. And I was just really living because to get on social media and to see all of these by folk um, celebrating themselves and to see all of the... Uh, blue and purple and pink everything just really made my little by heart sore was wonderful but also I think it was a really good um, way to like talk about issues within queer communities that like I feel like we don't talk about enough because of bi erasure and what bi erasure is is um like erasing the fact that bisexual people exist Mm -hmm. or that biromantic people exist. So um, I think that's that's really important. I thought about um, a lot last week, like statistics that we don't typically like talk about, right? And so like when it comes to, okay, so trigger warning, um, content warning, I'm going to talk about like sexual assault. So if you want to just skip ahead like the next three minutes, if you don't want to hear that. Um, yeah, so, like, when we're talking about, like, sexual assault, right, 13% of lesbians say that they have, like, been the victim of that, 17% of straight women, right? But then when we compare that to bisexual women, it's 46%. So, like, that, I know that's wild, 46%. And so I was having a conversation with someone about this, and they were just like, well, I think that's large in part to... Um, the fact that bisexual women are also like dating men, which one that's not necessarily true because bisexual bisexuality doesn't necessarily mean that you're interested in women and men uh, or two genders for that matter, but that it's more than one. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like the their whole like argument was that that's why lesbians are 13% like or uh, 13% and bisexual women were 46 was because the male aspect of that coming into it but then for me like that doesn't explain how like 17% of straight women exactly. yeah. but 46% and of bi women and so yeah. for me like that yeah 
Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but those statistics uh, for lesbians and heterosexual women feel really low to me. I was thinking that. I thought it was like one yeah, out of three is the, yeah. stat, the stat that I normally hear. And I mean, this might completely have to do with me being like, connected to uh, colleges and universities, mm. but um, I know on, on university campuses, the statistics are one in four. Yeah, um, way higher, women, yeah, way higher. Women of color, one in three. Um, exactly so, like thinking about so thinking about those statistics i'm like damn that's probably it, it sucks to think this way but whenever you see a, a jarring statistic you probably need to multiply, multiply by it. three yeah. for women of color and that's really what you need to be multiplying by three j cole sorry that was just complete tangent but i've just held this <laughs> grudge against his ass ever since that song rightfully but, so yeah um so yeah you're right that is shocking to me but then it also makes me think about how much we don't talk about uh uh, sexual assault within queer women yeah. community, queer women communities, and how how it looks when um, there's not necessarily penetration happening, but th- that exactly sexual, yeah, right. So I I think uh, for me with uh, I don't know if this is moving away from the topic, but for the the bi awareness week, why I was so hype about it um, is because I saw a lot of. Um, black bisexuals posting about bi awareness week and that to me just like gave me all kind of life like, first of all i think i said that um bi um black women won pride this this year like they was just everywhere and being like really vocal and visible about their identities and i think i think why i get i i get so much life from black bisexuals uh regardless of like gender or whatever is because to me, the way that I've always thought about like black sexuality, it has always been in this fluid, exactly. murky, messy, like I don't really I don't I don't have sex because of someone's gender. I have sex because like I, I want to fuck with this person. And when I see black bisexuals being vocal and visible, like that's what I hear from them. You know, it's just like and I'm going to get, like, I'll, I'll take your man and your bitch. Like, right, right, you know, right. Like, it's just like, I don't know, like a celebration of sexuality in general. Not, you know, not a, not tied to, like, these gendered ways of loving. Right. Not to mention that everybody is so beautiful. You know, they just be posting their little posts and you're like, oh, okay. Follow. Thirst follow. <laughs> Oh, right. So my like of the week was those young, badass um, organizers, uh, DACA recipients who rolled up on that Nancy Pelosi, that raggedy ass press conference (laughs) that she did. And they basically shut that bitch down. Um, I think that that was uh, really great for two reasons. One, I have a burning hatred of the Democrats, not because I'm a Republican, because I'm further left. And I think that the, I mean, the Democrats are just um, garbage. And one of the reasons in particular why they're garbage is because with the recent uh, repeal of DACA, they were trying to do a compromise where they would um, make it so that DACA uh, would remain, but they they wanted a compromise. So they said that they wouldn't have, they wouldn't vote in favor of the border wall, but they would be in favor of border security and what that means usually concretely is that there's usually a rise in the number of Border Patrol agents and ICE agents. And so it still leads to like the same Racial things, profiling. To like racial yeah. and people being like mm-hmm. deported and detained. Yeah. And so um, I think Democrats capitulate on a lot of issues and I think people are really tired of it. So I'm re- I think it was really great to see 
um, young folks of color, particularly, um, yeah, young folks of color who are DACA recipients, who said that you're not going to protect us and then sell our parents down the river. So right. I thought that that was really great. Yeah. Um, and so for folks who are listening who might not know what DACA is, it's the Deferred Action for Child Arrivals. Yeah, Childhood Arrivals. Childhood Arrivals. And I suggest that you go listen to the Black Joy Mixtape because they have a um, really good episode about DACA and how it came to be in the first place. Um, and also, like, what the implications are for it being uh, repealed and back into the national conversation now. So, the Black Joy Mixtape, I'll put the link in the description for which episode it is, because I listen to them all the time, so I don't remember exactly which one. That's basically where I get my news from, is the Black Joy Mixtape, so... Oh, I'm yeah. just, um, while we're talking about uh, DACA, I just think it's a good time to... You know, say that we are also in solidarity with the folks of Mexico who just experienced the yeah, earthquake, earthquake and yeah. the, the folks in Puerto Rico who yeah. just experienced was it Hurricane Maria? I don't even remember which hurricane I don't remember, it is at this point because like, there's been so many. Yeah, so just um, important to say that we're yes. thinking about those folks. Yeah, and I'm, I'm also like so reminded and so aware of how like being... Uh, LGBT person who also identify well not all of those being LGB and or T <laughs> who is also a person of color and also identifying as a woman mm-hmm. like how you you directly experience all of these things that happen so right. it's not like one of these things happen and I'm like damn I don't know anybody who right. that impacts I always know someone always. that these things impact Ooh. Yay, okay, so I this next segment away. is unfollow, which is also a throwback segment. But it, to me, it makes sense for the topic to break down into like and unfollow um, again, because typically that's that's how it goes anyway, informally. So it might as well be formal. So the unfollow segment is basically all of the things that we don't snap for that have happened since the last episode. The things uh, we're canceling. The things we're canceling. The things that got left off of Bad and Bougie. <laughs> <laughs> the things that we uh, talk about with all disrespect. Right? <laughs> or what did LeBron with say? With all disrespect. <laughs> <laughs> so, the unfollow for this week is biphobia. I think it just ties in with, you know, a bi visibility week. And then biphobia wearing its ugly head. Yes. Uh, for me, that's also an unfollow. That's a forever unfollow. Um, not just because people are saying, like, that bi people don't exist. But the fetishization of bisexual people. I'm over it. I'm done with it. Like, I don't want to have a threesome with you and your girlfriend, you and your boyfriend, you and whomever. I don't want you. Uh, stop doing that. It's awful. You're weird and creepy. Nobody wants you. That's the word. Okay. So I want to back, <laughs> back up a little bit and kind of talk about, um, I don't know, like how we got here to uh, the unfollow being biphobia. And it really started with this larger conversation about preferences. So, so I would say since last summer, actually, we were talking about insecure earlier. So when Molly and Jared, when Molly canceled Jared, basically, because he had had this experience with um, a guy in his past, 
and she was just like, nope, canceled. Like that's a that's that's biphobia. Biphobic right as fuck. Yeah. Um, and he didn't even identify as bisexual. And so that's how it is like biphobia impacts folks who not only identify as bi, just like every other yep. phobia. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so this, so, and I've seen this happen very recently on Twitter too, right? Where people are saying, I would never date a bisexual. That's just my preference. As if preferences don't need to be examined. Or if they're not shaped by broader forces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they, like they just popped up out of nowhere. Like these are informed by things and they have roots. So there's a reason why you are saying that your preference is to not date. Because it's not like you've met, you've lined up every person who identifies as bisexual and been like, you all are terrible people that I would never date. That's not what's happening. You are completely excluding any and everybody who holds that as an identity only because that's their identity. Which is biphobic. And it's not even really about, I don't even think it's really about um, by folks' actual identity. I think it's about these really awful um, caricatures of what they think bisexuality actually is. Exactly. So, Tori, you want to say more about that? Because you are bisexual. Right. Like, I'm like, I don't want to be talking. Yes, 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 yes. So, um, yeah, here, queer, bisexual, all that. Um, so for me, like, I just, I hate biphobia for so many reasons because of, like, how it's, like, personally affected me, right? But also just, like, I feel like it's not allowing folks to be who they are, you know? And, like, even saying, like, the word, like, preference, like, makes me uncomfortable because, like, for me, like, I don't, (laughs) it's like saying, like, oh, well, you're not gay, you're, you just prefer to be with other women no what no there's no preference there like this is literally just who I am right Mm -hmm. and for me it's like my queerness like is here at all times and like my bisexuality is not like dependent on like what relationship I'm in or like what my what the gender of like my partner is or the person that like I'm sleeping with or talking to or whatever right Mm -hmm. um and for me like I think about like So, like, if I was dating a guy, right, then folks are like, oh, well, you have, like, straight passing privilege. And for me, like, no, I don't. And you know why? I can't be in a straight relationship because I'm not straight. Mm -hmm. I can be a relationship that's coded straight, but that's it. And even with, like, relationships being coded straight, say if I was in a relationship with, like, a non-binary person who is perceived as... Uh, and read as male, right? Then would that be a straight relationship? No, it still wouldn't because that's not, no, I'm not straight. I can't have a straight relationship. Yeah, um, yeah but I think it all. Between like the, the, inti- the intimate the, yeah, versus exactly. the, uh, like, what is it called? The public. The external. The, yeah. Yeah. Relationship. For sure. You know, it's like, so you can't control that society or your friend group or the people in the grocery store respond to you as a heterosexual couple. But internally, it is a queer couple because you don't identify as a straight person, so you can't be in a straight relationship. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I think that it also, like, disallows folks who... So, like, non-monosexual folks, so bi folks, pan folks, to be able to talk about their experiences um to talk about their attraction depending on like who they're around right and so like for me like I'm allowed to be in a space full of queer women and talk about like how fine and problematic Keith Powers is you know like I'm allowed to do that um 
and I bring up him because I think there's also this like erasure of bisexual men so like it's almost more accepted my bisexuality as a woman than like the bisexuality of a man um in an interview I think Keith Powers was doing with somebody on some radio station he said that he doesn't believe men can be bisexual and I was like regardless of if you believe it like they exist so get over yourself dude I don't know who this person is, but I'm very like, familiar with the, like, men can't be bisexual you know, argument. I really feel like... I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I just think that... Um, well, Ronnie from um, 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 from the New Edition movie. Ronnie. Ronnie from the New Edition movie. <laughs> That's Keith Powell? Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Y'all, so I'm dying I right just, now. Really? Stop. Just pause it, Google. Oh, my God. Are you... Wow. I just, well, what that made me think of is that the in the same way that uh, that queer women relationships get treated, it's not really about a, a greater acceptance of bisexual women. Obviously, because you still you still experience this marginalization and disrespect because you're bisexual. It's more about like the uh, desirability or like the watchability is yeah, what I say. Yeah. Like the the watchability of your sex, basically. So if if the male gaze, if the dominant um, patriarchy yeah can, for sure can want to tone in to see you have sex then your sexuality is therefore like um validated in some way so so i don't think that it's in fact that lesbians are more accepted or bisexual women are more accepted than gay men or bisexual men it's because of like that patriarchal gaze so under that like patriarchy so fragile that men can't be having sex with men like that that's what breaks the the this like idea of domination or superiority right and so in that um men can't be bisexual men can't be gay right so then like, i hope nobody takes that as like a soundbite of me saying that because right. i'm like that's not what i mean um yeah you know, if that makes sense at all there, okay, so, like, just watching television, right? There's always, in some teen soap opera on the CW, there's always going to be some <laughs> lesbian kiss. What? Yeah, and it's yeah. just, like, but then, like, she goes back to her boyfriend or whatever, mm-hmm. and we just, like, that's, that's seen as hot, that's seen as attractive. And, no, stop. And, like, ugh. But, yeah, that, like, makes me think of, like, um, like, the by representation in media which I feel like it's just it's not there the way I want it to be right and so like the so that's what one person was about earlier about it's not really about the bisexual identity it's more about these like ridiculous myths that are right, attached right, right. to bisexuality yeah I think about like um how to get away with murder um Annalise Keating is yes. bisexual and like oh my god look like when when uh what's her name Rose is that the lady's name well, I don't know whatever um anyways Jean but Grey. like when she that's that's Jean Grey honestly that's what I was I only call her Jean Grey I'm like oh my god like, Jean Grey Annalise okay Okay, that's like look okay <laughs> I screamed I was like losing my shit because I was just like here is a black woman who, like, we have seen this black woman, like, have sex with this black man and, like, who is significantly younger than her and, like, all of this and, like, wow, revolutionary. But then, like, now she's having sex with a woman and, like, she's still this, like, badass who's amazing and, like, 
oh my god i was just here for that entirely right but then like oh go ahead go ahead no go ahead i'm I'm about to see if you want to say what i said i just like but for me it's just like folks still were just like oh well she's doing that just so that she can get out of it or she can like win this case or that she can do that there was some like detachment from like her identity but then even with that i'm not sure if like she like straight up said like i am bisexual right and like for me like that's so important because i think about like other like uh specifically you know queer women um of color but like uh from like the the pretty little liars books and movies and and whatever else the hell they got like there's a character on there and she's the only person like main character that's a person of color right. and she's queer right and no, so like in girlfriend. the main character yeah emily emily yeah yeah, yeah. like she is the only person of color that was a main character and she's queer and like on the show she's a lesbian right but like in the books and all that she's bisexual why did you feel the need to like change that very important representation but see that's what i that's so i don't like the representation of annalise keating's sexuality in general on how to get away with murder i feel like it presents her as like this sociopath that will do anything necessary to uh, like get ahead in her career, and so it almost to me desexualizes her as if her sexual encounters with whoever are just manipulative mo- moves, which I do think plays into this That's um, what I was say. like myth that bisexuals are really just like these opportunists who are out here. Well, it's, it's trickery and yeah, 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 yeah. What is this shit with like tricking people? Like that is not a real thing. Right. Like, but. So we were talking, like, just, like, backing up. It actually, like, when we were talking about bisexual men, like, I just want to, like, punch that guy in the face who started that whole, like, down low alarmist Oh, my thing. fucking so God. I, I really feel like that has really shaped, particularly particularly among black folks, where we think about, like, bi, um, any kind of queerness yes. within men, but particularly, like, bisexuality yeah. in men. And I think it's important for us to go deeper mm-hmm. there because it's not just about yes. deception and trickery trickery but like there started to be like this narrative because a phenomenon that was happening that was separate from that was like black women were like the like some were um experiencing like the fastest new um hiv H- and so it was like so it's about like deception is like vectors of disease and i mean yeah, like, yeah, these yeah. are really awful mm-hmm, and like mm-hmm. disgusting tropes that i think that like i think that these are a lot of things right. that people project onto uh, bisexuality in general, but particularly yeah. like bisexual black men. So I wanted to say something about that, but before I do that, I wanted to get in my like PhD bag for a minute and the way these statistics come out mm. because um, like universities are kind of like the headquarters of these like funded research yeah, projects. Exactly. Um, and in those statistics, black people, brown people are overrepresented a lot of times because we seek public access to health care and all this stuff. Yeah. Whereas private institutions don't have to report their statistics. And so, I don't know, intersectionality, I guess, is what I want to talk about. Because, like, poverty impacts that a lot. Yeah. So, if I'm going to a public clinic or getting a free HIV test at these places like um, ACR Health and things like that, those get captured in research statistics where if I'm going to 
doctor so-and-so who's been treating my family for four generations, right. that is not going to get captured. So I just wanted to say that. When I was, like, it was like when I first moved to Syracuse, it was like, there was this thing in the post-standard, which is the trash-ass rag, trash rag. rag that they try to pass off as, as a, a newspaper. newspaper. But I remember I was reading this, um, it was like this thing about like STD rates on the rise. Mm-hmm. And so they were like, there, there was a dramatic increase in like syphilis and something else in Syracuse among particularly like young black folks. And so I went back to the actual study and what they didn't show was that there had also been like, um, they had also cut like certain kinds of resources and yeah, services. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, mm-hmm. it's not just like, you know, these young black kids out here like fucking exactly. with wild abandon, but exactly. it's like important social services mm-hmm. have been cut. And I just want to connect this back to the earlier point about heteronormativity because it's like black yeah. sexuality in general, not to say um, that particularly queer people's sexuality aren't controlled and marginalized in particular mm-hmm. kind of ways, but I think that this also, this point also speaks to the fact that black sexuality has always been deemed outside of the bounds of normality. Mm-hmm. Why, mm-hmm. It's like This is why some theorists say that black sexuality is like inherently queer. queer. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Yeah. And so, um, like, I don't, I don't know. It was something uh, Tori said that reminded me um, around how this myth of, of bisexuality also is that, like, bisexuals just are never satisfied and can yeah. never get enough, can't be monogamous. Right. Even, even though straight people out here not being monogamous all the time. But that's, time. that's never a stereotype. Look. Yeah. So this, like, back and forth that I had on Twitter... Um, with some heterosexual black women and I think I need to say like they were heterosexual black women because of what you were talking about about this myth of the download mm-hmm. like the download isn't a thing and I hate the person who right, started I it I hate that person um, so if you want to talk about the stigmatization of bisexual black men then we could do that but we can't like whatever like fuck um, so yeah so this this back and forth I had was because I was listening to a podcast and the three um heterosexual black women in the room were saying they would never date a bisexual man because they would constantly be worried about like um not pleasing him like oh i like i I would just never be enough of him and while he's with me is he gonna be thinking about being penetrated himself and so therefore like so what i was trying to point out is that again with uh queerness we're only thought about about in in the types of sex that we have, mm-hmm. like we we are not thought about as like whole beings, right? right? Um, so mm-hmm. how is that? Yeah, girl. Okay, but like then that just means like you. So then, why aren't you afraid of other people doing that? You know, yes. like because we have straight men who cheat on straight women mm-hmm. with other straight women. And it's just like, I don't, what? That doesn't make sense to me. Right. Two, the whole like, oh, yeah, maybe he's going to miss the feeling of being penetrated. That literally cannot change because strap-ons exist. Um, And if I just, like, if um, yeah. And it also Um, means that he's bottoming. That he's exactly okay. Look, (gasps) because no, no, that's just it. Like the way in which we even think about like how queer people have sex. If you hear that a dude is bisexual, you're automatically like, oh, well, he's bottoming, and it's just like, okay, what? And then two, why? Because you are trying to like, um, like emasculate him, which oh, that doesn't. No, you're wrong. No, what's wrong with you? Um, and then it's like, oh, yeah, this is just this is just my preference. But but my thing is, why do you feel the need to like announce this to make these grand yes. pre- like? There's, yeah. I'm sure there's um, 
things or people that I'm not attracted to, but I, I don't make a big, I don't feel right. the need to make a big production right. about it. Because I, I feel like you, there's also something that, like, you're, like, I feel like it's it's your own kind of paranoia about mm-hmm. something that you're, like, trying to, like, I don't know. Work out exactly. or, like, fight through. But then for me to be, like, a black, bisexual, fat femme, right? And so dating is a fucking nightmare, uh, that's just what that is. We can talk about that later in the uh, curves, but <laughs> curb chronicles. But like that's just it's uh, to know that like when I tell someone or they find out that like I'm bisexual, the immediate thing is not like oh well like what have been your like experiences like in life or like in relationships or whatever. It's automatically just like. So, uh, you, like, you've had sex with a girl? And it's, like, why are you only, like, focusing on, like, the sex aspect of my identity? But then, like, we're not even, like, touching on the fact that, like, what if I was bisexual and, like, sex repulsed? Like, what if I... So, like, These assumptions... Yeah, like, if I was bi-romantic and asexual, like, what, what would that look like? What does that mean? It's the hypersexualization of myself as a black woman, the hypersexualization of myself as a queer person, and then my hypersexualization as a a black, as as a black queer person, and then as a fat person to be like, just, uh, people really are out here thinking that, like, I should be honored that they're trying to, like, talk to me. No, please sit down. Please take several, several seats. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, um, so I'm a I'm a I think I'm a mono romantic monosexual because I feel like those attractions to women and femmes like broadly, um, but I experience that as a fat femme right like because you fat whoever's interested in you you just down the fuck and I'm like no that's not the case at all I still have my you know right. my little types so whatever exactly. <laughs> like, we know your types. We not going to do that, okay? <laughs> uh, okay. You can blow my spot up. But I don't. I don't have a. Um, it's neither here nor there. I don't have a preference. You know? <laughs> uh, oh my <laughs> god. <laughs> no, but uh, so people think that when you when you tell them like that's that's fucked up for you to say like I would never date a bisexual, I would never date a fat person, I would never date a this this that mm-hmm. that they think that you're making a call to them to date these people, yeah. and that is not what I'm doing. Um, and then it also makes me think about how identity is a, is tied to sexuality because a lot of times when I'm feeling the weight of like fat phobia, like people shaming me because of my size, I'd be like, "But yo, but I still take your bitch," you know. And that's not that's not what that's not what my desirability as a fat person is about, you know. Does right, that make right, sense? Right. Yeah, like yeah, it yeah. shouldn't it shouldn't be about how fuckable I am for you to acknowledge my uh, humanity. Right. Yes. Yes, all of that. Yes. So I think that's the part of preferences that, and especially, I mean, we're talking about biphobia that feels most icky to me is because I'm not telling you to go date these people. What I'm telling you to do is just acknowledge the way you're dehumanizing a certain person by stating, like you said, like, why you got to say this out loud that there's something there, like for you to, people do it all the time, right? Like put, put on their page I don't like dark skinned women right put in, uh, out loud no fat femmes you know like there's something happening there for for you to feel like you need to say yeah. this that is denying somebody with a certain identity 
humanity in a way. Look, so like, I'm go ahead, Tori. Yeah, so like, I was gonna say like, ah, that happens where people are just like, so like, even within the queer community, like, oh no, I don't want to date a bisexual person, right? Mm -hmm. So I've had like women who have like tried to like talk to me or whatever, but like they don't want to like date me or interact with me or whatever because I'm bisexual because they're just like, well. I don't know. You switch teams, which is like, what? Excuse me? The only team I'm on is me. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you said that because, uh, like, biphobia doesn't just happen in the larger, um, like, non queer community, right. but it also happens within queer communities all the time. Definitely. Yeah. What were you about to say? I don't remember. Um, I, was, I had a question because uh, I, I was hoping the three of us could unpack this. Uh-oh. You know, I like unpacking shit. So, um,. <laughs> So I have been called. Now I don't think biphobic. I think Philandy has accused me of yeah. bi erasure a lot, um, um, because um, and she dates men, right? And so uh, I've t- like where I guess my question is like where's the space for me to have these conversations with bi women about? Um, I have never experienced being in a public relationship with someone that the world reads as a man. And being mm-hmm. and like accessing spaces in that way, um, and so it is—it's a very different experience to constantly be in public relationships that are read as lesbian slash queer relationships. Mm-hmm. And so I don't—I don't—I don't know if this is by erasure or not. But like, where is the space for for queer women who don't date folks who are read as men or who identify as men to talk about that? Because that is a difference between, like, a bi-queer experience and a lesbian-queer experience. Um, to talk about well, so, what exactly, though? I feel like there's something that you're, you're, you're trying to get at. Um, that... Well, I, I'm like, Are you saying, I, I mean, like, where where is a space where you can critique um, bisexual folks who are in relationships that are coded as straight? Well, not critique it. But just talk about it. like. Um, and then, actually, as I was saying this, I was thinking about uh, the fluidity of sexuality because mm. I think there are a lot of people who identify as lesbians now and who, and who are in relationships that would be read as lesbian relationships who have had public mm-hmm. relationships with men in the past. And I'm saying public as if they came out with... But you know right, what I, I mean. What mean. Like that the world yeah, yeah, yeah. is a straight relationship. Um, so I'm not necessarily like to critique it, but that... I can maybe it's maybe it's like uh, processing of pain, but it's like I can talk about how everybody got me fucked up because my bae is is a woman or is not read as a man um, or is read as a man. And then people find out that she's not. And then we got some like shit popping off there, too, um, that. My friend who is bisexual and has only had public relationships with men has has not experienced. Okay. And so, yeah. Are you talking about like a lack of common experience on that front? Like how to talk about that? Yes. Like how do do we get to talk about that difference between us as queer women without it being body erasure? I think that, um, so like when you're saying that about like how no matter like what relationship that you're in because you only date women regardless of like if she presents or if they present as masculine or if they present as feminine folks are always like looking like oh oh 
like looking. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, or if, like for me as a bisexual woman, like if I'm in a relationship with a man or if I'm in a relationship with someone who's coded male, like I don't necessarily like get those stares, right? So that's very valid. Like I don't, I, I don't get those stares when I have a boyfriend. Like that's not what happens. You say, so like you can say like at unequivocally at all times, I'm in a queer relationship or I'm not in a straight relationship, right? And your partner's looking at you just like, sure ain't, right? But like if I say that, then like how does my male or man or however yeah yeah what you mean this ain't a straight relationship and it's just like like, um i mean it isn't because i'm not straight so i don't know if you realize you're not in a straight relationship get over yourself yeah tori have you talked to uh male partners about that before like this because i think that this is an interesting i think that you're changing the way that i've thought that I've thought about this, so like I think it's interesting that you're saying like I'm like if if I'm in a relationship, then it's an, in an inherently queer relationship, and I, I I really I really like that conception. Mm-hmm. So, but have you talked about that explicitly with the partner before? Um, in like situationships, I have right where I've been like. <laughs> uh... <laughs> no, I've just been like. I mean, I'm not straight, so this isn't a straight relationship. Because, like, I've even had that conversation with men that, like, I've been interested in or, like, had some sort of, like, interaction with. Like, it's literally just, like, whoever plus me equals queer relationship. (laughs) Like, it does not matter. Like, I am, I don't know what to tell you. Right. (laughs) Because, I mean... I'm a lesbian, but that doesn't mean that all of my partners will identify that way, you right, know? Right, right, um, So even even a lesbian, quote-unquote, lesbian relationship can be a mixed orientation relationship. Yeah, I mean, like, I... Yeah, I think about that a lot. And I didn't really, like, hit me until, like, I had, like, I guess, like, a... Uh, very, I guess, well known, or I'll say public, like a public relationship, like a more public relationship with another woman, where folks, I like, okay, because I've been bisexual my whole life, right? And like, I want to say, like, I came out in like my freshman year, sophomore year of college, or whatever. And so, like, my senior year, when I started dating another girl in like a very like public way, like we're in a relationship. Like, folks were just like, (gasps) and that's not something, like, I had ever really, like, experienced before, because I was just like, okay, y'all, but, I mean, like, you've heard me speak on panels. I don't really understand, like, why you're surprised here. Like, what? And then... Because now it's real. It's like, that's the... the Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like that somehow, like, that somehow, like, validated what I I had been saying, because now that you could visually see this... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just like, oh, so you didn't believe me before or it was it was cool or you didn't have anything too much to say because it wasn't in your face. What? Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. I, I just think that there's different parts of the conversation. I think there's like a theme of the conversation that we're having where there's like there's like the identity associated with the sexuality. Mm-hmm. I think that there's there's the desires and the attraction mm-hmm. And then I think that there's actual practice. And so I feel like I think all of 
I think all of these things get um, enmeshed, but I think that sometimes it's, it's really useful to actually right. um, disentangle them. Right. But I do have a question. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I didn't want to cut you off. Go ahead. Oh, I was just thinking, yeah, because people like to talk about, especially when unpacking biophobia, about like, oh, the Kinsey scale, and right. we're all bisexual. But that, that, that also is invalidating of bisexual right, right, people's right. experiences, right? So. Go ahead. Um, so, Tori, you mentioned something earlier um, that I thought uh, was interesting, and I would like to hear you talk a little bit more about it. Um, you were just saying that bi doesn't even necessarily mean that you're attracted to like men and women. Doesn't or I, I don't know. I don't want to misquote you. I said it wasn't necessarily attracted to like two, two genders. genders. Yeah. So, like, um, I, I would just like to hear you uh, talk more about that. Like, I personally identify as queer, and I think that that just covers it um, for me. But I would like to hear why you think there's why about the, the specificity and the importance of identifying explicitly as bi? So, like, okay, so I identify, like, okay, so if I'm just, like, talking about, like, my experiences, right, I almost always say, like, as a queer woman of color or as a queer black woman, like, that's typically what I say because I feel more most comfortable saying queer than I do literally anything else, right? And that's large in part to the reason why, like, I identify as black and not African-American is because for me, like, African-American is specific to this nation, Mm -hmm. but, like, anywhere I go in the world, I'm black. And so I can find other black people that I can just be like, okay, like, like, you get it on that level, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so... For me, thinking about um, why I do that with queer is that I find a lot of solidarity with other queer women of color and more specifically other like queer black women. So like with pan women, pan black women and lesbian black women, because for me, like at some point, all of us have felt that like othering, all of us have felt that hypersexualization that like fetishization that comes along with us literally just like living our lives and so like yeah that's yeah but um in particular like why I identify as bisexual and and not like something else I guess um I hear a lot that like bisexuality is like the the concept of bisexuality is um transphobic right and so for me i feel like we have to deconstruct what it means to be bisexual right right because it's not saying oh you're bisexual and so you're attracted to men and women and therefore like adhering to some sort of like binary right for me it's bi doesn't like, I think people are, like, thinking of, like, the root word of bi, right? And they're saying, okay, that means two. And so they're placing this dichotomy into it, right? Mm-hmm. But what if I told you that, like, there are bisexual people who are attracted to women and non-binary folks, but they're not attracted to men? They're still bisexual. Right. And, like, that doesn't change that, right? Um but say they're also attracted to like another gender, right? Um, they're still bisexual. That's what they choose to identify as, right? Um, and so then you have like pansexuality, right? So pan with a root word meaning like all, right? So there are definitely folks that solely identify as 
um, pansexual because for them it doesn't matter like what gender their partner um, has because like that's just not something that like Attractive. matters to them, right? Yeah, yeah like they're uh, they're attracted to folks regardless of gender, right? So sometimes the reason why like bi people or pan people will use their labels depending on like how they refer to themselves is that they knew about bisexuality before they knew about like pansexuality right. and so for right. them that fits better. So um they want to acknowledge But it's just like I just think by um that pansexuality also means that somebody has done some work around undoing the binary um, and I just throw that completely out the window right. and I'm just Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but also, I think like it's acknowledging that your attraction to different genders can feel different, right? So, like, and so I feel like it allows for that distinction to be made and to be able to like be talked about. I've heard yeah. um, people who identify as bisexual. This is back in the uh, the heydays of Tumblr. Um, where a bisexual person would say, my bi means that I'm attracted to like, the gender I identify as and other genders. It's like that. Yes, like, yes, 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 yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think yes. That's why I identify as queer. I feel like I'm attracted. I feel like I'm also very much attracted to queerness in other people. Yes. Wow. <laughs> that was an emphatic. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I so when I start to unpack my desires, I think it's it's very like fluid. So I, because even like as we're talking about this, I'm thinking about I've I've met bisexual folks who are very transphobic, just like I've met lesbians who are very transphobic. And so um, when I think about even calling this podcast like queer women of color and using the term woman, like I use woman as like a gender inclusive term, like for anybody who. Who identifies as such, right? Regardless of right, right, right. presentation of gender right. or whatever, whatever. Um, but I'm attracted to, to like, I don't know how to describe it. Like a ma- a masculine presentation mm-hmm. on like with feminine auras. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. That's about your type. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> um, because I think. I think in a lot of ways, and I, I think I'm also denied this because of like patriarchy and mm-hmm. all those things, but I think in a lot of ways, I have a very masculine right. way of being in the world, but I present femme, so it's just like dismissed almost. Right. Like, when I was, and so I love what you said about you use the terms that you have access to. Because when so I was, When I was growing up, it was like gay, so you, like gay was the only word I knew about for queerness, so it's like, okay, either you straight or you gay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the only lesbian gender label term that I knew was like stud. Yeah. And so I was like, well, I'm a stud because I like right. being the dominant person in my sexual encounters. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm very masculine in my like interests and all this thing. You know, like right. when I was watching the NBA uh, <laughs> playoffs, Nikita was nowhere to be found. <laughs> but I think people would call you a stud before they called me yeah. a stud. You know, even though I'm more stereotypically yeah. into these like stud things you gave so. me the best description of my gender identity you called me a femme oreo yes that's, that's very accurate femme on the inside and masculine presenting on 
You always call yourself, what is it, a delicate flower? A delicate flower, flower because I am. And I'm not. At all. At all. That was <laughs> extremely creepy and pervy. I just, I'm sorry. I just don't, but you know, what would, where, I don't think I have the language for my... Mm-hmm. Gendered experience, right? They're coming with the new genders and the new sexuality. They on the way, you know. Because even like my last partner was non-binary, um, and I had to do a lot of like work around. Okay, what does that mean with me calling myself a lesbian right. in public? And um, I mean, Cheryl Clark has been mm-hmm. such a huge um, influence on me being a black woman, a black queer woman, a lesbian. And so to me, like, lesbian's political, and I think the same same ways y'all are talking about queer. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's like, I don't want to give that up, almost. It's like, I don't want to lose my identity that that means so much to me, but also I don't want to be misgendering my partner in public spaces by calling myself a lesbian, and then people automatically assume that my partner is a woman who uses she, her pronouns. Mm -hmm. I think the same way about, like, agender folks, too, because I currently have a crush on an agender person. Um, but like if I'm calling but, myself a lesbian Go ahead Tori I'm just I think that like Okay so like I feel comfortable calling myself a bisexual person Right And so Does that mean that I couldn't Be attracted to all genders No But like that's what I feel comfortable Referring to myself as Right, right. And so I feel like for you As a lesbian that's what you feel most comfortable like referring to yourself as right and so like i think about like okay so who am i when i'm not in a relationship like does that mean that you suddenly stop being a lesbian when you're not in a relationship no because your identity is yeah exactly and so like i don't think it should how you feel about what you call yourself and how you identify shouldn't necessarily like right. depend on your partner because right. in a relationship exactly. or out of a relationship you identity. are that identity. Exactly. Go ahead, say it again. Just the how we have to disentangle identity and practices and desires. desires. Yeah. Right. This is right. And because when I think when I think about my sexuality I guess I'm like okay so when I close my eyes and fantasize (laughs) it's um it's like I don't know like it's women I fantasize about Mm -hmm. um but that doesn't necessarily mean like a femme presentation so I guess what what is that line like desire from practice Mm -hmm. I guess so Mm -hmm. the way quote unquote woman is practiced Right. It does mean all these things. Right, it right, does right. mean vagina. It does mean feminine. But that's not what I what I'm necessarily uh, having fantasies about when I have desires. Mm-hmm. And then that doesn't necessarily play into my label, right, my right, identity right, right, as right. a lesbian. Ooh. All right, then. So we're gonna get into our last segment, uh, which has become the quickly the most popular segment of the show, which is curved chronicles. Misery loves company. I know, right? I feel like people just skip to the end and be like, okay, who fucked up your <laughs> um, So, Curved Chronicle, you want to introduce what Curved Chronicles are? It's the chronicles of, I guess, you now us getting curved? Yes. Or curving. 
Oh, that's important. You like to that's be hopeful important. here. Yeah, yes. That's important. Did I say important? Yay. Yes. Important. Oh, where is my mind? <laughs> important? I thought that's what I just said. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Um, I'm not like this. Yeah, so before we start this, Tori, you said you had a Curved Chronicle that you wanted to share. So you could go ahead and share your Curved Chronicle first. <sighs> okay. Um, so yeah, I'm just living my merry ass black life, okay? And I was like talking to a bunch of people about um kind of like why it's so difficult for me to date as a fat black queer woman in the space of which the spaces that I'm in, right? Because of my job, um because of the location I'm in and like all of these things right so like I have to worry about like if the person who's trying to like holler at me is racist because I'm black and that you know that's happens okay (laughs) I have to worry about if you know they're like a misogynistic piece of shit because I'm a woman um and then if say this person is another black person, if this person is another woman, then like I also have to worry about like okay, so because I'm bi, mm-hmm. like is this going to be fetishized? Like is my bisexuality going to be fetishized, or are they going to find that I'm that I'm bi and then be like, oh, actually, uh, I only date women who only date women, so sorry, because like those are things that have happened to me before. Hmm. So that's just my dating life in a nutshell of just, I'm just sitting over here by myself. <laughs> sitting up in my room. <laughs> I'm sorry. Wow. Um, do Thanks I have that a, soundtrack. <laughs> I've been listening to a lot of uh, the Fine Wine podcast. It's another queer women of color podcast. <laughs> and they sing a lot on there. So I've just been like randomly busting into <laughs> Tunes. Tunes. That's something I would say. Wow. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, yeah, so do I have a curved chronicle for this week? Mm, I don't think so. It's been pretty dead on this side. Same. <laughs> it's like a collective <laughs> curve. Wow. <laughs> we have a, a collective curve chronicle of just sitting up in our room. <laughs> wow. What's happening? Is Not the whole world is curving all of us. Yeah. The whole world I'm just is sitting in my room by myself. <laughs> you know, it's um, like logging on to the apps is it's oppressively white. So I just get off immediately. I don't even swipe. I'm just I log so in. overwhelmingly white. What? Oh okay. my god! Maybe this is the question for Curve Chronicles since we all like. Well, ain't shit popping. Um, where do you find other queer women of color? I don't. I'm still Next trying question. to find that. Still, Twitter? still and trying. Then they live like in West. Then they live like approximately 692 miles yeah. away from you. Yeah. So. <laughs> but y'all madly in love. <laughs> <laughs> so it goes. So it goes. Tweeting each other every day. <laughs> Hope you have a great day. <laughs> Are you speaking from experience? No. Oh, no judgment. Nope. That's okay. If I know if I know a queer woman who's in a relationship, a queer woman of color who's in a relationship, she's probably partnered with a white person. Do I know any queer 
Well, okay, I also, like, think about this. So a friend of mine and I were having this conversation a couple months ago about, like, because we were in a space that had, like, a lot of queer women of color and even more specifically a lot of queer black women, but, like, none of them were dating each other, right? Right! And so we were just like, well, why is this happening? And then we realized, like, wow, is it because, like they need each other to survive in that space because it is so incredibly white and so incredibly like straight that when you find another person who has the same identities as you, regardless of if you're like attracted to them, you're just like, look, I need you as a friend. I need you as my, my like support system in this. And so in order not to fuck up this support that I might have, I'm just not going to date you. Yeah. I mean, I think this is this is it has more to do with uh, like um, monogamy as like the forced form of I don't know. Maybe it actually has to do with heteronormativity, like we were talking about before. But um, that friendships are over here and relationships are over here, and there's this really thick boundary between the two, and it never gets blurry or fuzzy. And if it does, then it's a huge stigma on it. Mm-hmm. Um, that. Actually, the relationships that have sustained me in my life have been friendships. Mm-hmm. Um, and so not wanting to fuck that up and being like, I don't want to I don't want to lose this incredibly important person to me by being like, so oh, what yeah. good with them cookies? You know, that's that, probably smart. I, I, I haven't done that. And that, probably explains, yeah. that explains, huh? It does. Wow. How many friends do you have? Uh, OK. Whoa. <laughs> we just. <laughs> Yeah, and, like, I just think that, like, even goes into it. The fact that, like, we have to choose between, like, is this going to be a relationship slash situationship slash day? Or is this just going to be, like, my platonic friend? Because I need another person who understands what it is to be like me to be in my corner. And so you can't risk that. I don't think I have ever actively chosen that. Like, chosen to be friends with someone? Yeah. Like, ever actively actively chosen to be friends with someone and not pursue the, um, the like, the whatever, like, sexual or romantic part. Like, it's, it's never an active decision. It's, like, either the vibe wasn't there or it was there and, you know, you tried it and then the friendship probably crashed and burned. So, I think I have intentionally done it. Like, um, I'm, oh, but I'm also wondering if, uh, I got curved, and that's why it didn't. Because, because I think when I initially met that person, we both knew what it was. Like we both found each other very attractive. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it sort of grew into a friendship. If that makes sense, yeah. Like the heat died down, so we saw each other. And we was like, "Damn, you bad, okay." Mm-hmm. But then we're just like, "Oh no, we're actually like very good friends." But I like. I don't know if I would say I never wanted a relationship. It was just, mm, it could happen. You know, like, I think if if it would have happened, I would not have been opposed to it. Does that oh, make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it just yeah, yeah. never did. Right. We were just friends. But then, now that I'm thinking back on this, um, it actually was painful to me that it was, quote unquote, just, just friends. friends right. um, that I didn't see why I couldn't, like, hug, kiss, love this person in a physical way. Mm-hmm. Um, just because we had decided that we should never be in a relationship with each other. There could be more dating opportunities for queer women 
if we weren't in such toxic places where we always had to rely on each other for community exactly each other i think that's that that's more of the that's more of the issue that's more of the issue than yes because that's that's why we end up having these passionate friendships instead of relationships because like just like what tori was saying hmm I just, I just don't experience it as being a conscious thing. That it just ends up. I just like that's like so wild to me that like you don't experience as it being like a conscious choice because like I am like thinking of just like names are just coming up in my head of just like times I've like consciously been like I am really into this person I'm really attracted to this person but you know what. I need them as an ally or as an advocate or as whatever. So I can't even risk that. I can't even like try to entertain it because if this goes south, like, am I not going to have a support system? So I agree um. with you, Tori. Not to marginalize your experience. <laughs> <I'm> just- <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you've never had that conversation with yourself. No, I probably need to have it more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. All right. Well, thank you, Tori, for thank joining you so much, us. Tori. Yeah. As a guest. It was no problem. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, and welcome, Nikita, your first official episode as a co-host. Do I have to get a new logo now? No, we can keep your shining, uh, beautiful face as a solo uh, picture. That's fine. No, we'll we'll get a new. No, logo. it's fine. I accept no. the marginalization. <laughs> That's ridiculous. All right. <laughs> well, thank y'all for listening. Um, again, you can join the conversation by using the hashtag #QueerWOC everywhere on all platforms. Or, um, you know, the episodes will be on iTunes. And if you want to give us a rating there, SoundCloud, if you want to give us a rating there, Google Play, if you want to give us a comment or a rating there. Google Play third. (laughs) (laughs) And for everyone who's listening, I challenge all of you to share this with your other queer women of color so that they can also get their whole life. So. That's so sweet. Thank Thank you you so much, Tori. Yeah. So, um, that's it. I will see y'all in two weeks because this podcast is bi-weekly. I feel like I need to start saying that more because people are like, you ain't post that episode. I'm like, it's bi-weekly. <laughs> <laughs> but thank y'all for looking out for it. That makes me feel good. Right, that's excellent to know. All right, bye. Bye.